I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness episode number 70. Today, we talk about one of the world's great guitar players' amazing encounters with God. Get ready for a life-changing episode that will leave you inspired like never before. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Well, thank you everyone for joining me. We have a very, very special guest today and a very special program. And before we get to that, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me. And I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look at my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my guest today is none other than Doyle Dykes, who is one of the premier fingerstyle guitarists in all of the world. When guitar great Chet Atkins was asked a few years ago who he'd paid money to go see, his answer was people like Doyle Dykes, who is just an amazing finger picker. Well, Doyle has thrilled secular and church audiences all over the world, from the Grand Ole Opry to the Nebworth House in England, home of some of the most famous rock concerts in history to Shanghai, China, James Burton's International Guitar Festival, Saddleback Community Church, and many other places of worship across the globe. But Doyle's book isn't just about his life as a guitar player. Infused into stories like how he was invited to be part of the Stamps Quartet, Elvis's backup band, why a white rose is on the headstock of his signature model guitar, and how his worst night at the Opry turned out to be anything but, are accounts of the remarkable, remarkable ways God has shown up in Doyle's life. His warm, engaging style will draw you into each chapter, and you'll finish the book, just like I did, having been inspired feeling like Doyle is your new friend and never viewing God the same way again. And I am honored to introduce to you the author of The Lights of Marfa, one of the world's great guitar players, Amazing Encounters with God. Let's welcome Doyle Dykes. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Bond. It's great to be on the show. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here having tea and at my home enjoying uh, talking to you. I mean, how good can it get? Uh, uh, there you go. Well, I want to kind of kick this show off because I just finished watching one of your guitar videos. Actually, I watched it this morning and was amazed that you literally know, to me, every finger style type of playing there is to play. And how, when did you start playing guitar? Well, I was 11 years old. I was raised in church. In fact, the church was just the the pinnacle of our lives. I mean, of course, our relationship with the Lord was, but it was definitely the bright spot in our lives. And my grandfather was the choir director for uh, 33 years. My dad played in the band, and my brother, uh, well, we both took piano lessons, but because he's two years older than me, he was sort of a child prodigy. So he was playing in the church of seven, 800 people back when he couldn't even hardly see over the uh, the music, the little music stand on the piano. He was so small, you know, and to grow up around that, and he was so good, I I didn't, I just quit uh, playing the piano, and, and I just didn't connect with an instrument. I was singing at a very early age with my family, but just didn't connect with anything until I got saved, and that was when I, I raised my hands. No one told me to, but in my church, I still remember doing it, Dr. Bond. 
I raised my hands to the Lord. I said, God, give me a job to do, and I'll always tell people about you. And it wasn't that, it, like, he hit me in the head like, wow, I could have had a V8, boom. You know? <laughs> it was, but it was a very uh, a gentle persuasion. But I knew sh- very shortly after that I was to be a guitar player. And uh, that has just been a part of my life. My spiritual life uh, is a connection, of course, with that. And uh, But the Lord just, just put that in my heart. And, uh, you know, when, and uh, I, I think he places his uh, treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Well, you know, I explain to uh, all of us, I, I have talked with so many guitar players from so many different genres, and I always am interested on how they learned their particular style. And can you explain to all of my listeners who may not be very familiar with what guitar players know and do, but there's a particular style that you have and that you are known for, and that's the finger style playing of guitar. How did you learn that? Well, finger style, yeah, it incorporates sort of, it's kind of like a piano. I mean, you're playing the bass and the melody and the chord line all at the same time. Um, my dad listened to Chet Atkins and Merle Travis a lot. Of course, Les Paul, too, but he was a flat picker, as they say, with a plectrum pick. But uh, Chet Atkins and Merle Travis were the ones that I gravitated to the most. And I just couldn't figure out how they were doing this. I would, you know, I could figure out some of the licks and some of the songs with a flat pick. But because I was raised in Jacksonville, Florida, which is a port city, we always had these sailors coming to the church, uh, whether it was for God or girls. We didn't know. (laughs) We didn't care as long as they came. And uh, this particular one, I think a lot of it had to do with the guitar. And he asked my father after church, because, Sometimes we would just play after church. People would come up, and we'd just play and sing. Uh, sometimes an hour and a half, two hours, you know, just because we loved it. And he asked my father if he could play his guitar, and, and Dad handed him his Gibson 335. And, and he wow. sat down, pulled out a thumb pick. And I had never seen anyone in person do what he did. He had the thumb pick on, so he had his face and his rhythm and his melody. And so I ran to my mother, and I, and I think I was 12 at that time. I said, Mama, can we have this sailor over for dinner? And, of course, dinner at our house is it, still the same with my mother. You, be there, you should be there at noon, you know, because <laughs> she has breakfast, dinner, and supper. <laughs> and so when we had him over for dinner, we had him all afternoon. And he taught me this a simple little chord uh, method. It was a, a picking pattern. And then he showed me something that Merle Travis did called walking the strings. And I prayed, God, please don't let me forget this, because he didn't know how to write it, and I wouldn't have known how to read it. And uh, But I never forgot it, and I've shared that little lesson, even in China, uh, in the last year or so. And well, you I know, told Barry, uh, the sailor, I said, you know, you, your lesson has gone around the world. And, uh, of course, you're not getting paid for it, and neither am I. But <laughs> but you but you know what I found so interesting about the story? Because I know you, you tell that story in your book, The Lights of Marfa. And, of course, the, the chapter is Bury the Sailor. And what I found so interesting was, is not only did you, you know, it's almost like the spark that really started to set you apart from everybody else by learning that style, but you also uh, met Barry many years later. Isn't that I true? I did. I prayed for years to meet him and meet up with him and look for him and every place that I had contacted with the denomination we were with, uh, they said, well, you know, we remember him, and we think maybe he passed away. And 
Miranda. He was from uh, the Cahokia, Illinois, or St. Louis area. And so I checked with state offices there, and uh, for that denomination, I knew that he was uh, had an interest in ministry. But what had happened, he had gone to Bible school, and there was a professor that discouraged him about playing the guitar. He said, son, you need to put that down. You'll never amount to anything in ministry as long as you have a guitar in your hand. And he got so discouraged, he stopped playing for over 30 years. Oh, my gosh. And I, yeah, I just pray that God would lead lead me to him, or if he had indeed passed away, that, uh, that he would just take that out of my heart. And so I remember uh, uh, at the same time, <laughs> he had gone into the store and was he had made a, a sort of a vow to the Lord. God, give me, I'll go back to my first love if you'll just give me healing. He had a, a physical ailment. And he said, Lord, just restore my health and, and I'll, I'll, I'll play my guitar again. I want to do something for you. And so he went to this music store and he reached down in the bottom of this bargain bin, which I tell people I'm always digging things like that, you know, <laughs> eBay, the bargain <laughs> bins. Oh, yeah. The garage. And so he reaches down and he, and he sees this book, uh, Top 100 Guitar Players of, uh, of whatever year. I think it was 2000. It was a long time ago. And it was by Mel Bay. And I remember Mel Bay, yeah. Yeah, and he looked through this book, and there was a, a, a song that I had written called Jazz in the Box. And in a, a little interview go, went with each player that had, that had a song in there. And in that interview, I mentioned the sailor who came to my church when I was a kid and taught me the fundamentals of uh, fingerstyle guitar. And he just dropped the book. And he, was, he had already wondered, could this be that kid? And, and, of course, uh, he had looked me up and found out that I was going to be in his area a couple of weeks later, came out to my show, and uh, it had to be the same time that I just released it to the Lord through all the notes that I had away in the trash, and I said, Lord, if he's around, then lead him to me. And it happened. <laughs> wow. Wow. Amazing. I get goosebumps hearing stories like that, and I just love things like that because... Um, I mean, it, because to me, it really, it was, a, it, it came full circle when I was reading your book. I read your book over four days. I mean, I could not put it down. I could not wait for the next chapter. Every chapter was inspiring, but it also seemed to have a, a little lesson that all of us can, can use and, and use in our own life, especially if, uh, you know, maybe some people are low in faith. And they need to have that pick me up. And every chapter in your book, you know, kind of brings you back towards the center and goes, hey, you know, God still loves me and uh, he, he, he listens to me and he can make a way. And, and your, every chapter in your book is that way. He does indeed listen to us, you know, and prayer does change things and miracles do still happen. And, you know, and I look for those things in my life. And, and well, uh, I, I'm not saying that they happen every day, but. Uh, you know, even in the little things like the lady in the Bible with the lost coin, she, when she found the coin, she gave, uh, she rejoiced, called all of her friends, and gave glory to God and honor to Him. And I think when you do that, it just opens your heart to to more. And uh, so, yeah, I'm always looking for things like. That. Well, what what actually prompted you to write this book? Because it was a long time coming. Yeah, well, there was a guy, and, and, and I put it off for a long time because I thought, I'm a guitar player, I'm not an author, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, there was a fellow named Steve Lyon in Chicago at Moody Publishers, and we were walking out of uh, a guitar store there on the north side of Chicago, and uh, 
And he said, Doyle, you need, he was on the sidewalk actually helping me uh, load my truck. And, uh, and he said, Doyle, you, you need to, to write all these. It's time you write a book. He just said it like that. And I stood there and I just kind of looked down and I laughed. I just chuckled. I said, well, thanks, Steve. You have more faith in me than I do with something like that. I said, you're, you're a genius. I mean, he was the editor-in-chief there. I said, but I'm not an author. And he says, you can write. You can talk. So I know that you can write. You can tell a story. So I know that you can write. And so that's how it started. So I wrote this uh, story out called White Rose for Heidi. So start with that one. And that was the story that, that really touched his heart from the first time he said he ever met me. And uh, so it started with that. And then I began to write other stories. And I just send them in every so often until we had a collection. So what is your favorite story in the book? <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite story in the book? Oh, well, you know, it all goes back, I think. I mean, there's some of them that still raise the hair on my arms. I can't believe they actually happened to me, but, but they did. But the one that touches my heart the most, I think, still is White Rose for Heidi. And, uh, and that's a story that I, it, I... It's a song I actually wrote for my daughter, Heidi. And when she was four years old, uh, I had come in from a trip. You want me to share it? or? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to just kind of give us the, the, the short version of that story, because I love it. It's actually the reason why my daughter Madison told me. She said, you've got to read this book. You've got to read this book. This is the stuff that um, you love. And uh, and she actually owns your top-of-the-line Taylor guitar with the white rose on the headstock. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful guitar. Yeah, and they put a white rose on the headstock because of this, because of this story became something that, that people identify with me. But, uh, you know, uh, I came in from a trip late one night. We had two daughters, Heidi and Holly. This was in 1980. And so my daughter went, or my wife, rather, went to bed and said, uh, good night, have fun, they're yours, gave me a kiss and a hug, and she was off to bed. And I, and I looked at my daughters, and I said, do you want to play? And so we did until the middle of the night. It was like 2.30. I'm putting them to bed. Tell us a story. I was too late, you know and let's say our prayers, and okay, we'll do that. And so I, you know, I, they had twin beds, and I got between the two beds and held their hands, and we said a little poem prayer. And Holly was off to sleep before Amen. She was out. She was <laughs> and Heidi was wide awake, Daddy. And she kept calling me, and I was at Heidi, you need to go to sleep. Daddy, do you think God would bring me something if we asked? And so I said, what, do, what would you like? And I knelt by her bed again, and she said, I'd like to have a rose a rose of my own. And so we prayed and for a rose, and I walked out. Then I thought, why would she want that? So I walked back in, and I said, how come you want a rose so much? Because they're so pretty, and I've always wanted one. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, childlike faith, what a beautiful thing. And so I walked out again, didn't think any more about it until that night at our little story time. I told them a story, and we, we were staring our, saying our prayers. And Heidi's hands, as we held hands, her hands started shaking. She was trembling, and her lips were trembling, and big tears flowing down her cheeks. What's wrong? She says, how come God didn't bring my rose to me today? Do you, do you think he forgot? And uh, and it just touched my heart. And I, and I said, well, you know, I didn't know what to say. You know, it was a God question. And I said, you know, we didn't mention the color of the rose. And she looked at me, and she dried her little tears. She said, did he, didn't, did he need to know that? And <laughs> and I said, well, maybe he did. We should be specific when we pray. And, of course, I had to explain what that meant. And so she said, well, I was thinking of a white one. We'd, we'd better ask him again. And when she said white, back in those days, in 1980, I mean, you had to order from a florist where I lived. You didn't just go in and, and get a white rose at, at the grocery store or something or Walmart. You know, you couldn't do that. And, uh, and so I thought, okay. 
and I couldn't hardly sleep. I got up the next day, had to go out of town. I, th- I thought, well, I could call the florist and order one, or I could ask a friend to drop one by. But I didn't do any of that. I didn't tell my wife, didn't tell a soul. And I just went to this small church in the land floor. And, uh, and the pastor had asked me for, over for refreshments at, after my concert. Now, I'd never been there before, but I had met him and his wife in Tennessee. She was a singer, and I played on her record. But they just had this small church in Florida. And I said, well, I'll put my guitars away. And no one was in the building. Everyone had left, just a small little church. Suddenly, the back door opened, and this lady walked in. She says, are you Doyle Dykes? And I said, yes. She said, God told me to bring you something from my garden today. And uh, I was in my garden. She kept repeating herself. And God said, bring this to Doyle Dykes. Are you Doyle Dykes? And she asked me about three times. I said, yes, ma'am. And I could tell she was autistic. She, I didn't even know that word back then. but she. Was, <laughs> and she had this little uh, a small, slender package of aluminum foil. I'll never forget the look of this. And she was carrying it. And uh, I put my guitar down, and, uh, and, sh- and she handed it to me. And I said, well, I'll enjoy eating this from your garden. She said, I wouldn't eat that. You'd better look at it. And she stood there waiting, and so I peeled the foil, and there was one little white rose. Wow. Except her, and I thought of all the people here, God chose her. You know, maybe the most unlikely for someone like me who had never been there or seen her. or anything. And I hate to even say that. And I felt bad for even thinking that. But as I looked at her, and I, I, all I could say, I got teared up. I said, this isn't mine. And she reaffirmed. She said, oh, God told me to bring that to you, Brother Dyke. She, she called me that. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I told her the story of the Rose and Heidi and the whole the little prayer. And uh, she said, well, that's nice. And just walked off. And I'm thinking, <laughs> she's an angel. Well, I, you know, and I'm thinking, is she going to float out the door any second? And I just uh, just hung on every step, you know. And, uh, and so I got the, the Rose home, home to Heidi the next day. And she ran out to my truck, and I said, uh, there's a present for you, Heidi. And she has given me a big hug, and I reach over on the dashboard, gave her that same little package, and she said, it's my rose. And that's childlike faith. And and she opened it, and it's white, just like we asked. And she was happy and delighted, but she didn't act the least surprised. uh, That's how we should be. Just to always right. expect. Yeah, we should always expect what we pray for, but it doesn't really turn out. So sometimes I think life gets in the way when we, when we become adults. But, you know, Jesus said we must it, we must be like little children. Absolutely. And, well, and so that's how the White Rose ended up on the headstock of your Taylor guitars. Yes, it, it, I wrote a song. years. I didn't even tell that story for a long time, and I was uh, sharing at our church. And uh, that asked me to speak, and I shared that at the end. And the the pastor and others they said, "You need to share that again." And uh, and then I went on a mission trip, and I shared it. And then I went to some other churches, and was still doing concerts at that time. I was a youth pastor back then in Florida, and uh, people would come up to me after it's over. And the next thing I know, I'm sharing it, you know, at Saddleback Church. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but Dr. Rick Warren, and he looks at me and said, "That's a fantastic story." He had tears in his eyes. I'm going. Wow, you wrote the biggest book that ever existed, I think, besides the Bible. And yeah, Bible. that's right. And, uh, and so I had written this song called White, uh, White Rose for Heidi. Uh, in fact, I have a new album, and, and you know, not to just push records or whatever, but it just came out, and I'm so excited. But there was a, a famous artist uh, who is the grandson of another famous artist, uh, 
his name is Pierre Matisse. In fact, Pierre Henri Matisse is his name. Who was he was named after his grandfather, Henri Matisse of Paris. And uh, Pierre is now 90, and he had painted this picture called A White Rose for Heidi. And uh, it became the uh, cover for my new record, and the song is just interwoven all in between these hymns and different things. And and so the story is still a big deal to us, and uh, I guess it always will be. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Back on December 23rd, 2004, you had an operation on a brain tumor in which the surgeon compressed your brain and the operation left you with temporary loss of balance, which you had to learn how to walk again. But then you suffered with extreme headaches and nausea for several years and ultimately left you deaf in your right ear. How has that affected your playing? Well, um, you know, I started playing on the Grand Ole Opry with Grandpa Jones back in the 70s. And I met this guy who were still dear friends, Jimmy Katz. And Jimmy was there, and Dwayne Eddy and some other guitar players came to the hospital to see me. Now that's been 14 years ago. And uh, Jimmy told me after the operation, I was on the Grand Ole Opry not long after that, he said, Doyle, I think you're a better guitar player than you. Lost <laughs> <laughs> hearing. And uh, I just looked at him, and we both just started laughing. And I said, well, you know, I'll take that from Jimmy Capps, you know, who's still staff guitarist on the Opry to this day. And uh, and sometimes I think it sharpens us, you know. Um, what what do you say is something like that? But yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that compliment. But I think it did. Uh, it was it was stifling. It was the hardest thing I'd ever been through at that time in my whole life. And uh, and I and I look at things now and, and reflect back. The first time when I was asked to go somewhere, it was at Saddleback. Rick Muchow was a worship leader. And he said, we'd like to have you at, a con- at our worship conference. And I said, when is it? And he said, uh, it's, it's in six weeks. And I just had the operation. I'm outside holding onto the wall or the, the outside of my home trying to walk. And I said, I'll be there. And I was supposed to have taken three months off. But I said, I, that's going to be my goal. I feel that in my heart something just kind of went off that I'm going to make that. And when I got there, uh, everything, it was so scary to me because everything just sounded different. Nothing sounded like it used to. And I went to the back and I just wept. I didn't think I could do it. They asked me to play with the orchestra and I was in front of the drums and the bass and the choir was behind me and I just had to, I, I, I just left. And and I took out this little Bible, I call it the Amplified, well, I call it the Guitar Player's Bible, which is the Amplified. <laughs> I just blew my own. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's the Guitar Player's version, the Amplified Bible. And I always carried it in my hip pocket. And um, I had taken this thing out in places like the Cavern Club when I played there where the Beatles started. Places all over the world, multiple times with the Great Opry. And I turned to the same familiar scripture in Philippians 4.13, which says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything, and I am equal to anything in him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And I read that and quoted it actually to myself three times. Just shut my eyes. I said, Lord, you've been there everywhere. I've never been alone. No matter where I've been, you've always been with me. And you still are. And I walked out and Rick uh, Muchow looked at me are you okay? I said, yes, sir. And I wiped the tears off my face and I've, I've never looked back since. Wow. <clears throat> wow. I mean, this is, I mean, when I re- read your book, I mean, the people 
that you have played guitar with blows me away. I mean, not just Chet Atkins, but didn't you play, well, Les Paul. Um, didn't you play with Paul McCartney or do some maybe session work or anything? I played with, uh, recently I played with uh, Steve Vai. In are you are you kidding me? You played with Steve Vai? To a guitar player, and also Eric Johnson is on my new album. Oh, oh, you know that, I'm glad you brought up Eric, because we don't, we have a few minutes left, and there is so much more I would love to talk to you about, because your book is that inspirational, but that story that you wrote about uh, Eric Johnson in your book has to be my absolute favorite. Eric's one of the sweetest people that I've ever met. In fact, he's contacted me several times in the last week wanting to send me something because I gave him an old pedal that I knew he liked. <clears throat> and he's just that kind of guy anyway. And he told me he was looking for this pedal for me. And and uh, I told him, you don't have to do that. And he said, no, I want to. I want to do this for you. And while he was there, he looked in the corner. They put him in a back room at, at uh, Austin Vintage a little shop there he liked to go to. And there were these three guitars there that were out of the cases for some odd reason. And uh, they had belonged to him back in the 80s but were stolen from him. And he never knew what happened to them. And here he is trying out a, a pedal for me, and he looked, and he went to the owner, and he, he said, where did these guitars come from? And he said, well, there was a little widow that brought them in. Her husband had died. And uh, she didn't know where he had bought them, but he bought them off some guy that he had trusted, and I don't know who he got them from, you know, but anyway, they didn't know who to ask, but he, he had a, a guitar player magazine. It was the first issue ever, and they had put the serial numbers. If you see these instruments, please contact Eric Johnson. And so the serial ma uh, numbers matched. He, he got in touch with a lady. He said, I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. I would never do that. And she said, sir, those are your guitars. And all she wanted, was a copy of that magazine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. About a half a million dollars or more worth of guitars back just by going and trying out a, a pedal. Yeah, but you know what the... Yeah, but Doyle, the thing about that story to me was that you... You know, here's Eric wanting to get, get you a gift, but you were the one that prayed and said, Lord, show Eric your presence. And I to did. me, that was the kicker of the whole story. I did. I remember I was I went around the corner with my wife, and she asked, and it wasn't that long after my operation. He called me just to ask me how I was doing, to cheer me up. He wanted to buy that pedal for me. And so I was out with my wife, and I just walking with her in the grocery store. And I was just praying, Lord, show Eric that you love him, and just do something for him. And Because uh, he had called me right before I went over there and told me he was going to do that. And what better way? I mean, he is known for vintage guitar. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. I've talked to Eric about six years ago. I used to do, uh, I used to actually produce a, a guitar television show in Houston, and Eric was one of our guests. And we actually asked him the crazy question about where this whole tone thing come from. And he dispelled the whole myth of the whole thing right then and there on TV. And it was absolutely fantastic. So, so when I read that story, it was almost like, I'm like, ah, I've talked to Eric before, and it just brought it all home. But it was such an, I mean, to me, it was one of the biggest, one of the biggest miracles in your book. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to highly encourage you to pick up The Lights of Marfa, 
from Doyle Dykes. You can download it on Amazon. I downloaded it into my Kindle, and I can tell you one thing. The moment you start reading it, you will never, ever put it down. And um, Doyle, I could talk to you for hours because there's just so much more that uh, I know that you can share. And one of these days, I'd love to have you back and maybe get you plugged into an amplifier and do some picking for us. Oh, that'd be fun. Hey, well, you have an yeah, audio go ahead. I have an oh, you, audio oh, oh, you do? Yes. In fact, I just wanted to tell you, because I thought you would like this, it was recorded at the old Moody Radio Bible Hour studio that was built in, in the 20s. So it's the oldest studio in existence in the United States, the oldest radio studio. And that's wow. where I did the version. I just wanted to tell you about that. I thought Well, I love it. Well, I've got I have I have two uh, I have two very uh, close people that want to say hello to you. Okay. And uh one of them of course is my daughter Madison. Hi Madison. And uh she's not here in my office at the moment, but uh she's the one that owns your Taylor guitar. And oh, um my- and it was a gift from her uncle, Delway. Oh, my Lord. I, when you said a gift from her uncle, I'm going, I know who you are. <laughs> He's my I, brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, my goodness alive. I had no idea Dr. Ward Bond is. Uh, is the, I, that is unbelievable. Brother-in-law, Delway. He's yeah. one of my I want to say no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Madison still talks about the day when we were at Calvary Temple and she worked your merch table. She still talks about it to this day. Oh, how about that? Well, she's a girl and talented too. And, and Dale t- had told me about her and that he gave her that guitar. And I thought, well, this must be a special need to do to give her a guitar like that. Oh, well, yes. And she, that girl... That girl can play, and uh, she she comes to me. She goes, "Hey, listen to what I learned." And I'm like, "Wow, how long did it take you to learn that?" She goes, 20 minutes." And I'm like, "Girl, you got a gift." You know, she she literally learns by ear, and she'll read tabs and things of that sort. But uh, you know, you know, nothing's ever going to pry that Doyle Dykes Taylor guitar from her hands. I can tell you that, and uh, so it's got a special place in her heart. Well, I'll tell you, Delway has been a blessing to me, too, and, and he's just been a real friend. Uh, he's the kind of guy you meet him, and you, you feel like you've known him all your life. And uh, I'm excited to see the recognition he's getting, especially in Texas with the Song Country Music Association there, and uh, as, as as being one of their own, I mean, because he's a great writer. And, uh, oh, absolutely. And he was what he was just inducted into the the Hall of Fame, was it the International Gospel Country Gospel Hall of Fame, I believe. So, um, but I, Doyle, I've got to have you back on the show here pretty soon. And uh, I know that we're out of time, but I want to thank you for the honor and the pleasure of sharing your stories. And again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to DoyleDykes.com. Check him out. Get that book. It will change your life. It will inspire you. It will definitely make 2019 better than ever. And Doyle, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Ward. Dr. Ward Bond, what a pleasure. We're going to be friends forever. (laughs) Hey, I love that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, 
take 30 seconds, rate the show on iTunes. Thank you again for doing that because we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. And you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. Again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.